you are. Matt, there she is.
morning. Welcome to Disciples House. Please be seated. All right. Upcoming events. Uh, we have a water baptism and a cookout this Saturday, June 10th. Um, lots of information on that in the bulletin. Um, one thing I will add that's not in the bulletin is is um, we have two locations at Jackrabbit where we where we might have the, have it at and one of them the the, the preferred one at the beach. Uh, it actually there's a parking fee there, but yeah. So, but the church is going to pay it. So don't worry about that. We just need to know how many vehicles there are. Gotcha. And then let's see. So uh, June 18th is Father's Day. Praise. Uh, so remember your fathers. Uh, and let's see. June's uh, 26th through the 30th is Generation Life Youth Camp. For all those that are going. Yeah. Uh, and pray for the for those of you aren't. Please please be praying for the. For the workers and the youth that will be there. Yes. Amen. All right. And July 8th is going to be prayer for the nation again at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. Oh, that is true. The first Sunday is, is 4th of July weekend, so and it's also the weekend we get home from camp, so we figure we're going to be pretty tired. So think? we figured let's skip to the next week for that one. <laughs> right? I know. Sounds like good planning, right? That's why we changed it. <laughs> All right. So our meditation for this week is Ephesians 3, 6. And it says, uh, our in him is um, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. What's a fellow heir? At the same time. It, it, all right. It, it, yes, we all, we, we're all joint heirs in, G, in Jesus Christ. So... That's a fellow heir. That means that we're all adopted into the family of, of, of Jesus, right? So, the, so that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and, that the, and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So our confession, I have come to be a fellow heir. I have come to be a fellow heir of the same body and a partaker of God's promises. And partaker of God's promises. To the Jews in Christ. To the Jews in Christ, in Christ. By hearing the gospel. By hearing, the, hearing gospel, the gospel. And I'm going to add, and by my confession. And by, <laughs> and my, by confession. my confession. All good right. news, good news. So uh, our healing scripture for this week is Jeremiah 32, 27. And it says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Oops. So our confession my Lord is the God of all flesh. My Lord, My Lord is, is the God, God of all flesh. There is no sickness. No there is sickness, no sickness. Disease or lack in me. Disease or lack in me. That he cannot heal. That he, he cannot heal. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Father. All right. Well, let's pray for the service. This is crooked again. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for being here with us. Lord, we just we we, we honor you and we glorify you and we magnify you lord you gave so much for us so that we could be here and lord we just thank you for that and we honor you for that and lord we ask that you help us to uh, be good ground that your <clears throat> that your words not fall to the side or on the rocky ground or on on or or get choked out by the thorns that that you you help us to prepare to be good ground so that your word will grow inside 
it will become a part of us. That we will meditate on it throughout the week. We will we will care for that word, and we will we will we will share it with those we come in contact with, Lord. Lord, we just we love you and we thank you. You are the the Most High God, and we come to honor you and to learn to be more like you and to be become become true followers of you, Lord. Help us to stand fast, to stand against the wiles of the devil, and to, and to, and, and to do your work, and to do your will, and to, and to turn away from sin and the ways of the world. Because we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And Lord, we need your help to stand. We can do it, we will do it, but we need your help. We need your spirit, we need your guidance. And we thank you for being with us, Lord. And we thank you for that guidance. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You will not take our word. You will not cause us to turn aside from our Lord Jesus. He is the most high God, the name above all names, and you will bow before him in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Derek? Good morning, Disciples House family. Um, Let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined. Uh, I am more than a conqueror. I am overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Play the first chord. Full step up. Good. 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 Good.
Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us, as we forgive the ones who sin against us. Forgive them and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come.
right here in my heart. Oh, yes, Father God. Hear our prayers. We pray the way your son, Lord Jesus, taught us. We give you honor. We give you glory. Glory, glory, glory. I belong to you. 
Oh, 
Father, I'm so sorry that you're feeling that agony this morning. For we know that the hour is late, and you're looking at the harvest that should be reaped. But, Father, we're so busy about our own life, we're not praying for them like we ought. Father, we're not praying them in, and you're looking and you're saying, do you not know these are going to be lost? Father, forgive us. Father, open up the eyes that we may see and understand the importance of the day and the age that we live in. Father, help us to see that we're not just here just to fulfill time, but, Father, we're here with a heavenly assignment. Father, you've placed all of us here with a heavenly assignment, for we're the ones that can withstand in this day and in this hour to bring in the harvest, Father God. So, Father, forgive us for not standing in the gap like we're supposed to. Father, forgive us for not laboring in the Spirit like we ought to. Father, forgive us for having our hand in those that reject you and turn from you. Father, forgive us for mocking them and making fun of them when we should be praying for them. Father, oh, the people of the world are yours by creation, Father God. Father, we ask that you draw them to you. Father, we know that, you're, that you put a draw in every man, woman, and child. Every person is birthed, Father God. There's a knowing on the inside that there is a God. And they're drawn to that. And Father, we pray for them, that they would come, those that sit in darkness would come to know great light, the great light of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that they'd have an ear to hear and an eye to see the good news of Christ. Father, we pray for laborers to go out, laborers to go boldly and to proclaim the word by their lifestyle and by the words of their testimony, Father God. Father, we pray that your laborers would be bold as lions and gentle as doves, wise as serpents, Father God that they would know who and when to witness to, that they would know by your spirit what to say and when to respond and when to release and let go. Father, we need your spirit more now than ever. And Father, we're here to serve you for eternity. We love you and we make the heart commitment that we will not return. We will not turn. We will not reject you. We will not compromise. We will not compromise. And, Father, we love you beyond measure. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for angelic assistance today. Father, we thank you that you've placed your fire down in our spirits and a hunger down in our spirits for you and the things of the kingdom of God. And, Father, not only did you place the desire, but, Father, you're placing that in us that will cause us to respond to that desire. And, Father, we thank you for that. 
And Father, as we respond, we ask that you give us an ear to hear, an eye to see, a heart to receive, and a mind to understand the very mysteries of God. Father, we ask for revelation upon revelation. Father, and it's not new revelations. It's revelations that our fathers of old have had, but they either, either we've not caught it or they were not allowed to compel it to the people because the people were too weak to receive it. So, Father, we by choice position ourselves to be used by you in this day and in this hour. And, Father, we choose, I choose, to set aside the things of the world that so easily beset my faith, the things that so easily beset my prayer life, the things that so easily beset my study time, the things that so easily fill my schedule that aren't necessary. And, Father, I fill my schedule with you. And I thank you that as I do, we'll see the fruit of the harvest coming in. Father, we'll see your goodness. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll not only see, but we'll have the goodness of God. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree with that, amen and amen. Amen. Glory to, go, glory to God, you may be seated. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're going to continue our series on baptism today, types of baptism that are available. And uh, But I want to take a little side journey right here. Really, the Lord wants to take a side journey. Um, and it pertains to baptism. Because without the three baptisms that are available today, you cannot successfully uh, do, the, do what the Lord's talking to me about on this side journey. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. And here, this is what John the Baptist preached, preparing for the coming of the Lord. Preparing for the coming of the Lord. Jesus, the Messiah, had been born, and he was getting ready to step into his ministry, and God sent John the Baptist out to get people to receive the Messiah uh, in his human form on the earth today, uh, in this day. And uh, this is what John preached. John preached an extremely simple message. This was John's message in verse 2. It says, And saying, Repent ye. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John's message was this. Repent. Change. Stop doing what you're doing and do something different. You'll notice it didn't say, ask God for forgiveness. Right. Now, you should ask God for forgiveness, but it doesn't really do any good if you don't turn away from that sin. 
the, the, the message is very simple. Repent. Why? Because kingdom because the kingdom of heaven is here and available now. Repent. 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 Now turn over to chapter uh, uh, turn over to chapter four and look at verse seventeen. Well, actually, thank you, Holy Ghost. Uh, let's look at um, chapter three, verse thirteen. And let's read to the end of the chapter. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Why was Jesus coming? To be baptized. To be baptized. Now, isn't this interesting? Jesus, who had never sinned, came to John to be baptized. The reason... For baptism is to be changed. Amen. To be changed. What was it that needed to be changed in Jesus? Obviously, something needed to be changed. Something needed to be changed. Otherwise, there was no need for him to be baptized. Oh, let's read. Y'all are smart. You're good. You listen. You're well taught. Yes, you that's got a right. Good the pastor. Holy Spirit. Glory God. Yes, we do. Amen. Let's read on. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Doesn't it interesting that, that John the Baptist, who was to be the front runner of Jesus Christ to make a way for Jesus, the Bible nowhere says that he never sinned. Do you know that? Who's that, Jesus or John? John the Baptist. Okay. John. The Bible never says that John the Baptist was without sin. But we do know that John the Baptist had something that nobody else had in his day. While he was in his mother's womb, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes. It was only available to John in the womb because because he was called and ordained as the minister that was going to prepare the way for Christ. Yep. It's a type and shadow of what we are to walk in today. But John, even having the Holy Ghost, said, But I have, but Jesus, I have need to be baptized by you. 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 Why? Because it's two different baptisms. Water baptism, Spirit two different baptisms. Two different ones. And Jesus said to John, he said, John, suffer this. In other words, John, just put up with this. John, I know you see some things and you know some things, but first I have to be water baptized. Why? Because Jesus is our living example as to how to come to the Father God. Yes. And Amen. Jesus, even though he was spiritually alive to God at the age of 30 when he, when he came to John in the Jordan, even though he had never sinned, he still needed to get into the flow of the Father. He had to get into the flow. Yep. And the way that you got in the flow in John's day was you had to be baptized in water because this was the process that was moving us from sacrificing animals and being covered in the blood of animals to be uh, to have our sin covered into being washed clean by the blood of the living God. It was a transitional period. It was a transitional time. 
But, but we still don't see the change that took place in Jesus. So let's read on. All right. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, meaning he baptized him. And when Jesus, er, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Now, man, Jesus, when he got water baptized, he had an incredible encounter. Yeah. He had an awesome encounter. When he went down in the water, you know, he's just getting wet. But when he came up, the heavens opened to him. The Hallelujah Choir jumped out and began to sing, Hallelujah! You know what happens to most people when they get water baptized? They're cold and they're wet. They get wet, yes. That's it. They're cold and they're wet. So there's a new song I found. I like it a whole lot. And it's talking about being on fire for God. And towards the end, he does a little talky thing on there. And, he, and they sing about going down to the river. And he said, and my spirit was on fire, but that water was cold. And now my body was chilled, but my spirit was still on fire. Amen. Glory to God. What happened? What changed in Jesus? Jesus was set on fire by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. See, so many times we look at the scriptures and we see things like Jesus knowing their thoughts. Jesus knowing what was in their hearts. Jesus knowing what they were, had plotted against him. How did he know? Well, he's God. No. I mean, yes, Jesus is God, but on the earth, no. On the earth, he was just as much man as Derek, just as much man as Zach, just as much man as Richard. Without God. How much you know? Jesus didn't know anybody's thoughts or anybody's intentions. I mean, we can all look at somebody and look at their behavior and go, well, they're intending to do some bad things. But that's not what we're talking about. He literally knew their thoughts. But he didn't know that until after the Holy Ghost came upon him. Until the Holy Ghost came upon him. Jesus was changed in the instant of the moment of time when he was water baptized. Number one, he got into the, being a man, he got into the family of God through water baptism. Well, wait a minute, what do you mean he got into the family of God through water baptism? He's the son of God. He was a man on the earth. He has to come into the kingdom of God just like every other man. Yep. If Jesus had said, uh, Father, I don't want to go to John and be baptized. Uh, the world would look very different. The world would look very different. How many of you have you ever had a plan and your plan was all good and then somebody <coughs> threw a wrench in your plan? What do you have to do when somebody throws a wrench in your plan? You have to back up and punt, right? Mm -hmm. You got to come up with a new avenue. You got to come up with a new way. How much do you know God would have come up with a new way? He would have he would have figured it out somehow. But how much do you know our Bible would look very Amen. different. But see, the Father God knew the character of his son. He knew the character of Jesus. He knew he knew and understand he knew and understand understood the character of the spirit that he put in the physical body of Jesus. Did you think about that? Did you ever think about that? I never thought about that till just now. 
the Holy Spirit. Remember, uh, remember, um, the angel came to Mary, and he said, uh, "Thou art most favored among la- among women. Uh, the Lord uh, wants you to have this child." Remember, Mary had to give the, the give give the Lord permission through the angel. She had to say, "Cause Mary, Mary's another one that could have said." Mm, let me think this through. Uh, I'm a Jew. We're being overrun by Romans. I'm a teenager. I'm a teenager. Mary was somewhere between, they say that she could have been as young as 13 years old, but she would have been no older than 16. These two 17-year-olds up here on the front row just said, uh, no, Jesus. <laughs> they just said no. Uh, I love you, but no. <laughs> How much do you know? And she's espoused. Now in that day, listen. Being engaged in that day was not being engaged today. I don't know why we're going here, Holy Ghost, but this is important. Being engaged in that day was way different than being engaged today. There's this mentality out there that says, well, I put a ring on your finger, uh, uh, yeah, a ring on your finger, therefore all that's yours is mine, now let's go to the bedroom. Uh, no, sir. There have been no vows. There have been no commitments. Well, we're, in, we're married in our hearts. Bunk, junk, and hogwash. According to the Bible, I can, I mean, I had to write, I had to write a long paper on it. According to the Bible, let me tell you how you get married. According to the Bible, let me tell you how you get married. Let me tell you. Number one, there's got to be an, a, 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 um, an officiant that has permission from God. In other words, they either have to be a fivefold minister or a person of the government of government rule, a magistrate. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. Do you know that God himself performed the first wedding? And Jesus and the Holy Ghost and the angels were the witnesses? According to the Bible, there has to be two witnesses. At least. At least. Minimum of two witnesses. Number three, it has to be a public declaration. Has to be a public declaration. And number four, it has to be recorded in the, re- in the public record. And I was reading that in the Word, and I said, Lord, Adam and Eve, weren't reca- were, their marriage wasn't recorded uh, on public record. He said, excuse me? There isn't a more public record in the world. There's not a more public record in the world right. than the Bible. Right. <laughs> than the Bible. I'm glad you're smarter than me. I have, I have moments at times that I'm just like, wait, God, what? Oh. Oh, you know, and then, and then, and then, according to the Bible, after you've had public ceremony with a officiant that, that's ordained by God to be there, in other words, how much you know, God puts uh, judges and magistrates in place. He did. Yeah, we vote for him, but he's the one that calls them. He's the one that moves on them to get in that office, and he's the one that makes sure that their election goes through. God puts them in office. Make no mistake. He uses the votes of men and women to do it, 
but he's the one that puts them in office. Amen. So you either have Amen. to be, so listen, your friend can't get on the internet and fill out a piece of paper, pay $25 and marry you, and that's not marriage according to God. Sorry. Amen. Where did we get on this, Holy Ghost? Help me. Oh, I know where we got on this. Because people are doing that. Because people are saying silly things like, well, we're married in our heart. So it's okay for us to live together. No, that's sin. Amen. Period. Sin. Well, it's only a little white lie. Sin. Well, it's just pictures on a page or a screen. Do you not know that Jesus said that, it, that if any man lusts in his heart, uh, that he's already committed adultery? If you've already looked at somebody lusting after them, imagining yourself getting with them, you are guilty of adultery. Those of you involved in pornography, you're an adulterer, according to God. I'm not being mean. I'm not being ugly. But that's what the Lord says. If you're married and you're being uh, intimate on a level that you've not, that you're, that you're, that you are, there's a level of intimacy emotionally, physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, when a, husband, when a man and a wife are married, that's reserved for marriage. If you are that level of intimacy emotionally with somebody other than your spouse, adultery. Adultery is not simply fornicate, is not simply intercourse. There's an epidemic among people today that say, well, we can kiss and we can touch and we can feel and we can do all of everything. As long as we don't do this one act right here, we're not, we're, we're, we're not sinning. That's not in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. That's sin. Well, my Jesus is a Jesus of love and acceptance. He loves me like he like I am. He doesn't expect me to change. Uh, you know, I know that he's not real thrilled about this behavior, but he's going to accept me and let me into heaven anyways. Your Jesus is a man-made Jesus, and you are deceived. That is sin. Do you know that, the, that Jesus multiple times in the scriptures? I went through and I counted it last night. In the New Testament... The word false, in reference to false teacher, false prophet, false witness, is in the New Testament 28 times. And half of those times, the Bible is telling you, do not be deceived. You are responsible for your walk. You are responsible for living clean. You are responsible for getting the sin out of your life. And you are responsible for knowing what is sin because God gave you his word. If you don't read it, you're going to stand before the Father and he's going to say, this was sin and you habitually lived in it. And they're they're going to stand before him and say, well, I didn't know. Did you have a Bible? Did you have access to a Bible? Did you have a church that preached the word? I got news for you. These people sitting on these pews every week, listening to these man-made Jesuses, 
they're going to be shocked if they don't find the Jesus of the Bible. When they find themselves in hell for all of eternity. And they're going to say, well, that preacher man, that preacher woman. And you know what God's going to say? He's going to say there was a different preacher man and a different preacher woman in your town that was preaching the truth. And I drew you to their place, but you didn't like the correction, so you refused to go. I put my Bible in your hand, and you refused to read it. Come on. Come on, church. It's quiet in this Pentecostal house that follows the real Jesus. It's quiet, and it's... Listen, I do not preach. Pastor Mike does not preach. We will not preach or teach you a man-made Jesus. Nope. And, any, and any, that's why the church isn't full. And any, you want to know why? I have people ask me all the time. I know I'm going to release it to you in just a minute. But I got news for you. I have people all the time ask me, well, why do you have such a small congregation? Because I preach the uncompromising word of God and nobody wants to receive it. Amen. Now, now any, any preacher that's, that's preaching to you and telling you you don't have to change to please God, they're wrong. They're, they're, a false, they're a false prophet. They're, they are teaching you wrong. They're a false teacher. It, Jesus, we just read right here, Jesus changed. Jesus had to change. So why wouldn't he expect us to change? Yeah. Wouldn't you say, well, well, here, Jesus, Father, I changed, but they don't have to because I did it for them. Wrong. And why would Jesus tell us to go and sin no more? He tells us multiple times in the Bible, he says, go and sin no more. If, if, if he didn't expect us to be able to do that, it would have been unfair for him to tell us to do that. So he knows that we can do it. He gives us the ability to do it. We just have to make ourselves do it. And it, it takes an act of will. You have to make yourself do it. You can, it's too easy not to. But it's hard, and the path is narrow, to follow Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, did Jesus really say sin no more? Yeah, look at John 5.14. Did he really say sin no more? Look at John 5.14. Let's read that. Oh, I'm in 4.14. That's not going to work. Okay, 5.14. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come yeah. unto thee. Yeah. Yeah. Look at what he said. He healed him. He healed this person. And then he told this person, he said, You are made whole. Sin no more. And then he told him why not to sin anymore. He said, because if you sin, a worse sickness is going to come on you. Well, is that true? Let me tell you about the woman in Kentucky. <laughs> Let me tell you about her. Dad, if you're listening to this one, I'll come. He'll know what that means. He called me the other day. And asked me if he could give uh, the church information to somebody who's dealing with sickness. And I said, absolutely. And the moment he said, before, when I picked up the phone, I already knew. And the moment he said it, I heard in my spirit, you need to go. And I ignored it. 
And I, and I said, and, I, and later I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if she accepts what dad tells her, I'll go. I put a provision on it. God didn't tell me to put a provision on it. Yes. Guess what? Me putting a provision on it is sin. sin. I just believe God for wholeness. And it's, and it's manifesting. If I want it to continue to manifest, I must obey. You want to know why some people don't get their miraculous healings? Or they lose it. Or they lose it. It's because they sin. It's because they sin. So many years ago, when I was nothing more than a person in the pew and only known Jesus a very short time, very short time, came back into the church a broken, hot mess in January of 2000 trying to prove that the church my mom was in was a cult, and I found the Lord Jesus. Thought I had him the whole time, found out what I had was not, was God, but not God like I needed to know him. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reading every book I can get my hands on. I'm listening to every teaching I can get my hands on. I'm studying the word. I'm believing the, the Lord to, to heal my mind and make me able to read and understand. Because when I came to the Lord, it, that was a battle. Wore me out mentally, physically, emotionally. Believing the Lord for healing. I'd been in a car accident, and I could not even hardly, I, I could hardly dress myself. It took everything I had to put on sweatpants and a t-shirt. My mom had to brush my hair for me because I was so worn out just putting those clothes on. Talk about broken and desperate for God. So I was studying healing, studying healing, studying healing. I got over there and found out in Mark. 16, the end of the chapter, Mark 16, 16, that I could lay hands on the sick and that they should recover or that they would recover yeah. and cast out demons and pray in other tongues and all this. And I said, Lord, that's me. I want that. I've been powerless all the days of my life. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you don't mind, please. Thank she you, Father. She looks cold. She looks cold. He's trying to he's trying to help her out. He's trying to help her out. Uh, so anyways, so the Lord, we'd only been in church a year, year and a half, maybe two at most. At most, maybe. Not even. I think maybe a year, year and a half at most. And Dad told me about a woman. Really, it was his girlfriend's sister. That's who it was. I'd never met her a day in my life. But it just, something stirred on the inside. And I've never prayed for anybody. I've never led anybody to Jesus. All I had in me was the word of God. And it just kept stirring, you need to go. You need to go. You need to go. You need to go. So we, Mom and I left church one day. I think Michael was on fire at this point or something along those lines. I don't remember where he was at that point. And uh, I remember saying to Mom, I said, I'm supposed to go to Kentucky. And I'm supposed to pray for so-and-so's sister for healing. And, and now I was trembling my shoes because at this point, Dad and I still had a very strained relationship. And the idea that his daughter is following God, oh, good Lord. Oh, that's another issue in and of itself. At least that's the way I perceived it back then. And uh, <clears throat> so, but as soon as I uttered those words, Mom said, I'm supposed to go with you. And I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. So we went, and we got, we drove down on a Thursday, and uh, got, they got in late Thursday night. We're there Friday, most of Saturday, and coming home Saturday night so we could be in church on Sunday. So we get there late Thursday night, and hellos and greetings, and gone to bed. Get up Thursday, Friday morning. Dad, did you get this all set up? He said, yeah, I got it all set up. We're going to go over, and uh, and I'm thinking, let's go now, because he knows I'm going to leave on Saturday. Let's go Friday. And he said, yeah. He said, we're going to go over there tomorrow mid-morning. So I had to go all the way through Friday, shaking and trembling and the devil talking to me, how God wasn't going to show up and how I was going to look stupid and all this nonsense, and I just had to stand. Didn't know nothing about how the anointing worked or anything. Nothing. I didn't know anything about it. You don't have to be a minister to do this. Yeah, like he said, it's an act of faith. So I got up Friday, Saturday morning, made it through Friday, made it through Friday night without getting into doubt and fear and unbelief and and all this stuff. And I got up that morning and I thought, okay, we're going. Here we go. He said, oh, I said, Dad, where are we heading over there? He said, oh, sometime around lunchtime. Oh, Lord, Dad, come on. Lunch is noon, maybe. Maybe. So finally we get in the car, lunchtime, and he informs me it's like an hour and a half drive. I'm like, could this be any more torturous if it tried? And, I, and he's driving, and Mom's in the front seat, and I'm in the back seat, and I got my Bible, and I got my mini books, and I got my tabs, and I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and I'm about to puke in fear and trembling. And I'm, literally, I was afraid. Did you hear me? I was literally afraid. It's scary to step out and do for God. It's scary. Well, I'm just afraid. Step out in faith. So I step, so, so we go in, and we meet her, meet, meet the family. She's there. Her sister's there, which I knew, thank God. Uh, her, all of her siblings, all of her kids are there. They're grown adults. Uh, and uh, she's laying on the couch, and she's been given less than a week to live, and she looks like it. She looks like it. And so we do nicey-nices and play-nices because now I'm stalling. I'm stalling now. And finally, it comes down to the level where I have, where everybody just stops and looks at me. Yeah, why are we here? What, what, what are we doing? <laughs> so I went over and I sat next to her and I said, I know you don't know me, but I believe that the Lord sent me to talk to you about healing. And she began to cry and she said, I know you're right. And so I went through and I told her all about healing, how I believed that God could heal her, and how I believe, and, and, and how I knew that I could lay hands on her and that she would recover. And I was just talking to her and sharing with her what I knew about God. And all of a sudden, the word forgiveness, unforgiveness just kept coming up. Un, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, not unforgiveness, worry, worry, worry. I just, I, it, was so, it was coming up so thick from my spirit, I couldn't get away from it. And I looked at her and I said, listen, I'm human. I, I could get this wrong. I may be, in fact, I may be so far off base it's not even funny. I said, but I just keep hearing in the spirit, worry. And her family busted out laughing. They busted out laughing. And I, and I, and I said, well, I take it that means something to you. 
And she said, yes, ma'am. And I just, praying in the Holy Ghost, I said, actually, I said, I see you walking, because it was a trailer. I said, I see you in the middle of the night, pacing between here and the kitchen, pacing down the hallway, turning around, coming out, pacing and pacing and pacing to the point that you've worn out the floor. And the family laughed again. Uh, so I knew I was on it. She in tears. I mean, now she's bawling like a baby. And she said, that's it, that's it, that's what I do, that's what I do, that's how I help my family is I pace the floor, and I just worry all night long. She was eat up with cancer. I mean, cancer all through her body. So I went through, and I, now, I didn't study on worry. I didn't study on fear and anxiety and worry and all that. I didn't study on all that. But I had been reading and studying the Bible, and it was in my spirit. And the Holy Ghost started popping scriptures off to me right and left. And so I went through and I showed her how we're to cast our cares upon the Lord and that worry is a sin. And that, she's not, that when, when there's a situation in the family, she's just got to say, Jesus, I hand it to you. I trust and believe that you'll handle it and you'll turn it to the good for my family. And I taught her how to do this. And then all of a sudden in my spirit, I heard this. I heard the Spirit say, tell her this. And I told her what the Spirit said. And the Spirit said, I'm going to heal you, but the day you start to worry is the day the cancer will come back on you, and it will come back with vengeance. And I, those words came out of my mouth, and my brain went, you just handed this woman a death sentence. No, I did not. I did not hand her a death sentence. What I handed her was the freedom of life. I told her don't get back into this because if you do, the because de- the devil's just waiting to pounce. I said that God's telling you how you're going to keep your healing. Don't you dare worry. I said, now listen, when the situation comes and you hear about it and you go, oh my goodness, oh God, and then you immediately pray, that's not, that's not worry. That's you're shocked and then you handed it to Jesus. What I'm talking about is you picking up and pacing the floor again. And uh, Dad, called, she, Dad called me a week later, said she went for her scan two days later. That was on Saturday. She went for her scan on Monday or Tuesday, and there was not one, one, there was not one cell of cancer in her body anywhere. Anywhere. She had it in her brain. She had it in all of her organs. She had it in her bones. She had it from head to toe, and they rescanned her, and there was not one cancerous cell in her body. Woo! The healing power of God works. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Holy Ghost assignment. Five years later, I get a phone call from my dad. And he said, hey, I want to call you. He said, I need to give you some news. And I said, yes. And he said, you remember so-and-so, so-and-so's sister that you came up here and prayed for? And I said, yes, I remember her very well. And he said, I just wanted to let you know that she passed away today. And I said, Dad, so let me ask you what I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. Let me ask you a question. I said, did she get back into worry and start pacing the floor? He said, she did real good until just recently about several things happened right in a row and it was reported to me that she got up in the middle of the night and began to pace the floor 
says five years to the day that I prayed. Five years to the day. So sin, sin will rob you. It will. Jesus said, sin no more. Don't worry, we're talking about baptism. I'm going to get there. Just hold your horses. <laughs> Just hold your horses. John 8, 11. John 8, 11. Because the Bible says, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. By two or three witnesses. So here's our second witness of Jesus saying, sin no more. <coughs> John 8, 11. All right. Verse 11. She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. This was the woman caught in the midst of adultery. Yeah. And he asked her, where's your accusers? And, he said, and she said, no man, Lord. And he said to her, she's a prostitute. The indication is, is this woman's a prostitute. Or at least it's well known that she slept around because the Jewish men barged in and caught her in the midst of the act. Where was the man caught in the midst? Where was the man? Yeah. Well, how much do you know? To throw a naked man in front of Jesus isn't going to tempt Jesus. Thank God. Don't know that's true anymore, but that day it was true. No. The reason they grabbed the woman in the mist is because she was essentially naked, standing in front of a 30-year-old man. You don't think he wasn't tempted? Come on. Men are aroused by what they see. That's why pornography is such an issue. Of course he was tempted, but he looked at her with the compassion of love of God and simply said to her, where's your accuser? Go and sin no more. But notice what she said before that. She said, no man, Lord. In that moment of time, she accepted him as her Lord. And whatsoever he told her to do, that's what she was going to do. In that moment, she received Jesus as Lord. And he looked at her and he said, now that I'm your Lord, sin no more. If he told these people to sin no more, he's telling you to sin no more. And I was standing right there in my normal seat, and, I, and all of a sudden, with, with, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I perceived in my spirit Rebuke. Let me explain to you what rebuke is. Rebuke is strong correction. You know, when it, it's, it's when your parents use that corrective tone forcefully. Your whole name. Yeah, your whole name <laughs> right. forcefully with some volume. And I heard this. I heard the Lord Jesus say, "Stop making excuses for sin." That's what I heard him say. Stop making excuses for sin. He said it very sternly. And then in my spirit, I heard this. The mentality of we're all sinners, it causes people to sin. You need to get the mindset, I am not a sinner. Amen. I am a saint. I am not a sinner. I am dead to sin. Jesus died for me, and I am dead to 
sin. I am not a sinner. Amen. When somebody comes up to you and says, well, we're all sinners, you better bow up and say, not me. Amen. Are you perfect? Uh, no, I'm not perfect, but I've been born again. And my Lord and my Savior told me not to sin, and therefore I have cleaned my life, or I'm cleaning my life, and my Jesus is working with me. Amen. And when I do miss it, I repent, I change immediately, and I purpose in my heart, not in my head. If you purpose in your head, you will fail. Purpose in your heart. Make the heart decision. I'm not doing that again. Amen. And when you go and you pick that alcohol up, you open up that pornography, you, you, you hear the voice of God tell you to do something, and you say, mm, you put a qualification on it. The second you realize you did it, you go, Jesus, I'm sorry. I missed the mark. I repent, and I'm turning. I'm pouring that alcohol down the drain. I'm wiping my browser history. In fact, I'm changing all of my stuff so it doesn't come up at all. Might even have to change my name to make it happen. I'll tell my closest friends that I can trust. More likely, you got friends that help you sin. You might have to cut them out of your life. If they're not going to turn, you, you might have to. You might have to. In fact, most baby Christians do have to. Well, I thought we were talking about baptism. Oh, we are. Because it's the baptism and the living water of Christ that makes you able to not sin. Amen. It's the water of baptism, that declaration, that point of contact that you can look back and say, on this day, at this time, I made the decision that I am as dead to sin as my Lord and Savior. That's your point of contact. I'm not sinning anymore. I'm not, well, I'm not sure if this thing's a sin or not. Well, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will lead you and teach you. That's another baptism. Now, if you're listening online and you say, well, I'm not clean. I got drinking issues. I got drug issues. I got anger issues. I got this issue. I got that issue. Come into the house and be taught. We receive you in the house. We'll love you even in the midst of your dirtiness. Because we know Jesus is working on you. Amen. We know Jesus is working on you. We know it. I'm not telling our people's business. And don't you sit there and try to figure it out. But we've got ex-homosexuals in the house. Don't be shocked. We've got, we've got ex-drug addicts in the house. We've got ex-alcoholics in the house. We got ex-pornography viewers in the house. And adulterers. We've got ex-adulterers in the house. We got ex-fornicators in the house. We got ex-idolaters in the house. We got ex-partiers in the house. We got ex-liars in the house. Praise God. Come on. We got ex-gluttonies in the house. Come on. We got ex-warriors in the house. We got ex uh, anxiety, you just grabbing it and holding on to it, mental illness and depression in the house. Amen. Why? Because Jesus has set them free. Amen. Because they're living the uncompromised word of God. Because they came in contact with the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of God, who, can, who lives on the inside of you and says, stop that. And then he gives you the power to say no. Now, is it easy on the mind? No. Is it easy on the flesh? No. Are you going to trip and fall once in a while? Yes. 
But that doesn't mean you quit. That means you get up and you do it again. You have to go through spiritual boot camp with Jesus. That's what you have to do. These guys, they'll tell you that went into the military for eight weeks or however long their boot camp was, the military reset their mind. They said, run. They said, we can't run no more. They said, oh, yes, you can run. Guess what? They found an ability to run that they didn't know they had. They said, do push-ups. They said, we can't. They said, oh, yes, you will. Not only will you do the ones I done told you to do, you'll add, we'll tack on some more. And guess what? They did it, and they did it, and they did it, and they did it, and they did it, until it became easy. So, baptism is an outward sign of something that's already happened in, in your life. Water baptism. Wa- water baptism. So you get saved, right? So when you get saved, you're asking Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of you, right? Yep. You know what happens when he comes and lives on the inside of you? Because he'll come. Yes. You ask him. With, if you ask him believing and, and, and with your heart, he will come inside of you. He'll come in to live inside of you. You know what he does when he first comes in? He cleans house. He cleans the inside till it is spotless clean. There is not a speck of dirt anywhere in that place. Glory to God. After that, he expects you to keep it up. Come on. That's right. Exactly right. But he does the initial cleaning. But after that, you got to do it. And, and yeah, the world's an influence. And we mess up sometimes. But when we do, we got to clean it up. We got to get it out of our lives. Push it out the door. Don't, don't let it back in. You know, uh, a lot of you know that I used to work for the Forest Service, and one of my jobs was cleaning the campgrounds. Oh, Lord Jesus. And I would teach the young um, helpers that come in how to clean. Because, the, you know, if you've ever been in a campsite around here, they're, they're a mess. Happens all over the nation. It happens all over the place. But you, I would tell them, trash attracts trash. If, if there's trash on the ground, even a little bit, people are going to think it's okay to throw trash down. Right. So you have to clean everything that you can see, everything. And the waiter would be like four or five of us. We'd be there for an hour cleaning one campsite. Just every time you'd look, there'd be another piece of trash. There's another piece of trash. And, I, and they would be like, oh, man, it's good enough. We can stop. I'm like, no. If you get it all, the next person that comes probably isn't going to throw anything down. They're going to see how nice and clean it is, and they're going to want to keep it that way. Eventually, somebody's going to throw something down or drop something or whatever, but for a while, it'll stay clean. Yeah. If you leave a little bit, the next time you come down here, it's going to be trashed again. Yeah. And our, our our lives are the same way. We have to keep it clean. We have to keep it spotless. And it, it, eventually, somebody's going to drop something. That's okay. As soon as you find it, you clean it up. And it'll, it, it'll change your life. And it's what God requires us to do. Glory to God. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. You can go back and read the whole chapter later to get the full picture. But he was talking to the Jews. And uh, the Jews' will, the, the Jews mindset was, well, or these particular Jews' mindset was, well, if we sin because we're all sinners, we'll just, we'll just sacrifice another animal. But Jesus had come. And there's not going to be another sacrifice. There's not going to be. 
There's no more, there's no more uh, sacrificing the animals to cover your sin. Right. And there's not another man, there's not another Messiah coming to go to the cross and go into hell to cleanse you of your sins once you are already cleansed. So let's read verse 26. 26. Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, this is after we've been saved, if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Listen, Jesus expects, the Father God expects, the Holy Ghost expects that once you receive Jesus, that you sinning willfully on purpose goes away. That's what he expects. He put away the power of sin because before Jesus came, the power of sin was more than most people could bear. But some actually, I mean, come on, Jesus being all man, no God at all, all man lived 30 years with no sin. Yep. So it was possible but it was hard. And here, he's, here it says, after you receive the knowledge of the truth. What's the knowledge of the truth? That Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He died on the cross. He went to hell for three days and three nights on your, for your benefit. He rose again to conquer sin and the grave on your behalf. Amen. If you receive him, if you confess him with your mouth and believe in him in your heart, then he saves you, then he saves you and sets you free from the power of the sin that you live in. Now, you've got to take that power that's on the inside and enforce it on the outside, which means whatever sins you're involved with, maybe, you're, maybe your biggest sin is profanity. That means you have power to control your mouth now Amen. because of Jesus. Maybe your biggest sin is that you just give into your body. And, I mean, you know, your body doesn't necessarily do anything wrong, so to speak, but it doesn't necessarily do things right either. You now have the power and the ability to make your body do what is right in the sight of God. Amen. You now have the ability, when the Bible says, take captive your thoughts, Every thought that exalts itself against the kingdom of God, in other words, every thought that enters your head that disagrees with God, because of Jesus, you now, if you've received him, you now have the ability to make that thought go away, and you have the ability to, or you also have the ability to turn that thought, because, Jesus, because Satan has twisted it out of line with God, you have the power and the ability to twist that thought back in line with God. So when your thought comes, well, you're no good. Nobody cares about you. Satan's nothing but a liar. So the truth is, is I'm very good, That's and right. everybody loves me. Right. Especially my God. Amen. See, you have that power to not only cast the thought down, but you have the power to speak the truth against that thought, to turn that thought Amen. back to truth. I mean, and it's on anything. But if you don't know that this is your right, your power, your ability, um, then you're going to struggle in your Christian walk all the days of your life. Amen. Which is why you need to get into a church. In Amen. Ephesians, the, it said that Jesus gave gifts unto men, and those gifts are the 
uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Well, guess what? The apostle, pro- the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher is not coming to sit on your couch with you and teach you and mature you every day. Right. Or even once a week. Amen. Good gravy. We've got a small congregation, and if that's how Pastor Mike and I had to pastor you, we'd be exhausted by the time we got done with three of you. Amen. Amen. So, no. So, Not how are you going to get in the present? How are you going to receive the <laughs> gift? You've got to come to where Jesus left the gift for you. The church. Amen. By the way, you are not the church. Amen. You are not the church. You're, you're a part of the church. The word church, let me tell you what the word church literally means. It means called out of your homes into a public place for it so that you could assemble with like-minded believers and worship and be taught. Amen. Right. The assembly of the church is really was it in the simplest forms, it's those called out by God to public worship together. That's what it means. That's the church. So unless you're called out of your home and you assemble with, I guess, yourself <laughs> for worship and you teach yourself things that you don't know to teach, then you could call yourself a pastor or a church. But no. No. Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is made up of believers in Christ, and we're members of the body. We're members of the body. I am not the church. I am a member of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a member of of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I come together with my other members. Yes. Can you imagine you go to bed one night and all of a sudden your, hand, your fingers and your toes and your feet and your knees, they all scatter? You wake up in the morning and all there is is a head. Uh. <laughs> well, I'm Robbie, but I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I have no Why? Because I have no body. My body is scattered. In order for me to be effective, I have to come together. Amen. So does the body of Christ. Amen. You're not the church. Oh, I get so mad listening to Christian radio. They say it all the time. You're the body. You are the church. We are the church. It doesn't. The church is not a building. I want to just. I'm going to go to their office one day if I can find it, and I'm going to go to their door and I'm going to say, "Excuse me, you need a Bible lesson." Where are their pastors? Where are their pastors telling them, you're not, whoo, Jesus, Holy Ghost, you're not. Where are the pastors saying, excuse me, child, you are not the church, you're a member of the church, and if you want to be part of the church, you actually have to come to the house and participate. The church, oh, guess what? The church is a building, or at least it's in a building, it's housed in a building. But it could be any building. Oh, God. How did we get here? Glory to God. I don't know how you got it. <laughs> Thank you, Father God. Baptism. Jesus yes. gave you gifts. Turning away from sin. Turning away from sin. I had to follow the rabbit trail. Turning away from sin and baptism. We, you have to go back and you have to listen to the other sermons. 
This is part three of baptisms available today. There was one before that that said, what is baptism? You've got to go back and watch them all to get all the information. If, you're, if you haven't paid attention to them all, you're playing catch-up. Okay? Yes. Well, and you're playing catch-up because you're not in the house. That's why. Man. We're beating up on you onlineers. No, we love you. We do love you. We'll pray for you. We believe for you. Reach out to us, email us, and we'll, and we'll pray for you. Uh, come into the house and we'll lay hands on you and get you restored. Come on. The anointing flows. We're talking about baptism. So baptism means to be submerged until change comes. To be submerged until change comes. Actually, it means to be dipped. Dipped. Completely. Dipped. Repeatedly. Dipped. Repeatedly. There's three primary baptisms. There's three baptisms. There's being baptized in Jesus Christ, which is the new birth. Being baptized in the living uh, water, which is Jesus Christ. That's where you do Romans 10, 9. You believe in your heart. You confess that, the, that Jesus Christ is Lord, not Savior. Lord. Read the scripture. Lord, Amen. Lord, Lord. Amen. Read it. Lord. What is Lord? Lord means whatever becomes, you say. As he becomes your Lord, as, as he becomes your Lord, he also becomes your Savior. Absolutely. Lord means Jesus, whatever you say, that's what I'll do. Period. The first thing that Jesus said, yeah. repent. Yeah. Change. Yeah. Change. Amen. I don't want to go to some church that tells me I have to change. Well, you haven't met the real Jesus. Yeah. You want a man-made Jesus. Ooh, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Come on. No. Lord. Lord said change. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change so that you can be a recipient of the things of heaven. That's what he said. Change. That's a good word. Change so that you can be recipient of the things of heaven. But here's the deal. Heaven's at hand. Heaven's not in the future. Heaven's available near. now. Do you know that because heaven is at hand, you can walk in divine perfect healing? Yep. Because heaven is at hand, you can walk in prosperity in every area of life. Amen. Because heaven is at hand, you can walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because heaven is at hand, you have authority, might, and dominion in this world. Amen. Come on. Change so that you can obtain all of those things here now. You're not, we're not doing this so we can get the great buy and buy mansion. That's a plus. That's that a bonus. The, yeah. the, the uh, soul winner's crown, that's a plus, that's a bonus. The, the well done, good and faithful servant, that's a plus, that's a bonus. The mansion, that's a plus and a bonus. The, the, garment, uh, uh, um, the robes of righteousness. See, when we get to heaven, you're not going to need prosperity. You're not going to need healing. You're already going to be healed. You're, you're not going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to need it when you get to heaven. You'll be living right there with him. Right? These things are for today. So it's for today. It's for here. It's for now. So he said, repent, change. So first baptism, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. Whatever you say, Jesus, that's, that, that's what I do. And the first thing Jesus said to every person, the first thing he said in the New Testament was, was repent, change, and obtain the kingdom of heaven. 
That's what he said. That's our assignment. What's my purpose? To walk away from sin and to obtain the things of heaven on the earth. That's your purpose. That's your purpose. There's more to your purpose, but that's the first step in purpose. Change. Glory to God. Aren't you glad you changed? Amen. Aren't you glad Jesus helped you with that? That young man searched for change for I don't know how many years. Glory to God. But here's the deal. He was determined to change. He was determined. And he kept going from church to church to church to church to church until he found a church that believed, operated in, and, and operated in the uncompromising word of the Father God. Somebody, he, he, he kept going from church to church to church until he found the church that God, placed that him God set him in. That's true. Don't split hairs on me. He's just saying it's not just a He church. actually, truly what he found was his pastors. Right. That's truly what he found. It just took a few weeks to manifest. Glory to God. All right. Thank you, Father. If you don't know his testimony, come in the house and you'll learn it. Come on. Uh, where are we going? Hold That's on. That's a good question. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Holy. Oh, Jesus. Is this where I want to be? Nope, that's not the one I want. This the one I want? Let's see. This is the one I want. Ah. Matthew chapter 20, verse 22. Matthew 20, 22. Matthew 20, verse 22. I haven't even opened my notebook. I got two and a half pages of notes in my notebook. Glory to God. Matthew 20, verse 22. Jesus uh, is getting ready to go to the cross. He's at the Last Supper. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And look at what he says right here in verse 22. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. He's telling his disciples he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he's getting ready to be uh, murdered for their sake on the cross. And uh, that he's going to be gone for a few days. And, they, and the disciples loved him so much that they said, Jesus, we'll go with you. And he said, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to be baptized with what I'm fixing to be baptized with? What was he fixing to be baptized with? He was fixing to be baptized with the sin of the world. Yes. He was fixing to be baptized with death itself. He was fixing to be baptized with separation from God for what would appear, unless the Holy Ghost did his job, what would be for all of eternity on our behalf. And he looked at his disciples and he said, Are you able to be, are you able to withstand this baptism? Are you able to withstand every sickness and every disease that has ever been and will ever be to be laid upon your physical bodies? Baptism means to be dipped and submerged to the point of change. Our Lord Jesus went from perfect, sinless man to anointed Messiah 
2, he himself became sin. He himself. He didn't just do sin. He became sin. He was dipped in sin to the point that he changed. He was dipped in death to the point that he changed. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. He was dipped to the point of of eternal death in hell. He was dipped to the point of change, and he did it for ourselves, for our benefit. Oh, but three days later, glory to God, glory to God. We don't know fully at what point during those three days that God looked down from heaven and he shouted with a thunderous voice and he said, that's enough, but he did. And when he, he said, that's enough, and he looked, the Father God looked at the, at the Holy Spirit, and he said, Holy Spirit, go get him. And the Holy Spirit descended from the heavenlies and through the, and through the, the skies and the Milky Ways and past the planets and through the clouds and through the earth and into the inner depths of the pits of hell. The Holy Spirit descended quickly, and he entered into Jesus, and he quickened his body to life. In an instant of time. And Jesus got up out of that cell. And I believe that what, um, that what Reverend Ed Dufresne saw in the spirit is precisely what happened in the spirit realm. Because the scripture said, God said to Satan in the garden, he said, you're going to cr- cr- uh, crush his heel, but he's going to crush your head. He said, there's one coming. And I believe when the Holy Ghost entered into Jesus' body in that spirit realm that Jesus stood up in the power, might, ability, and anointing of God. And he walked straight to the throne of Satan where Satan was sitting and rejoicing and celebrating because he thought he had total victory. And Jesus walked right up to him and kicked him with all the power of God right square in the middle of his forehead and flipped him back off of his throne and knocked his crown off of him. And Jesus walked over there and snatched the keys of dominion and power off him around his neck, stripped him naked, and tied him up and paraded him all through through the regions of hell on display. And he took all the devils and demons with him. He whipped him. He made a show of them openly, the Bible says. Triumphing over them, it says. Why? Why? Because he suddenly was baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost for the second time. For the second time. Remember, the first time he got baptized, the Holy Ghost was on him. Now the Holy Ghost was in him, in full measure. We have the Holy Ghost in us in a partial measure. Partial. And this is the third baptism that is available. That is available. The sister verse to that verse is um, uh, Mark 10:38. If you're taking notes, glory to God. Well, I got 20 minutes to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the third baptism. Let me open my notebook. Or I have a page <laughs> and a half of notes. Let's see where we're gonna go. Glory to God. I'm telling you what, it'll do something for you when you. It, it'll it'll do something for you. I told you. We've told you. We're honest. This thing right here, this thing right here is a drug. Let me tell you this. 
This thing right here is a drug. Every time you check your social media, you get a shot and an injection of dopamine. Woo, somebody liked my post, you get that high. Woo! Oh, I can't, I can't. Constantly. We treat these things like a drug addict. And I had, some, I had a game on my phone that I played, and I was playing it way too much. And the Lord said, you know that thing's become an idol to you, right? Oh, yes, Lord, I get it. I see it. I deleted it. Amen. Before the day was out, I reinstalled it. Why? Because I'm having to put my flesh down. Yep. What do I do? I repent. Yep. So I'm sitting there playing it in the middle of the night because I had reinstalled it. And I heard the Lord say this to me. He said, do you want to keep your hand? This is what he said. He said, if your wholeness was dependent on never playing that game again, would you stop? I said, yeah, Lord, in a heartbeat. He said, did I not tell you it was an idol? I said, yeah. He said, is that not sin for you? Guess what? It got deleted and it ain't been reinstalled. I got in obedience to the Lord. I made some adjustments. And I'm telling you what, the blessings of God have been so amazing. I looked at the word with a whole new light on it. Amen. What was the devil doing? Slowly, progressively, blinding me, the pastor. Distraction, 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 distraction. I want you to go to let's go to um, Luke 11. Luke 11. We're not going to finish this today. We'll start looking at this, but Luke 11. And uh, let's pick up, and we're going we're gonna to pick up right here in verse 1 and just start to read. All right. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, All right, let's look at this prayer real quick. Many people have memorized this prayer. And they pray it all the time. We even sang a song about it. But it's not a prayer. I'm not shocked. It's not a prayer. Notice the, what, the, what did the disciples ask him to do? To teach them. To teach them how, how to pray. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, when you pray, say, our Father. In other words, he said, number one, first step for prayer is speak, not think. Step number two, our Father which art in heaven, uh, it means get his attention. Get his attention. Address him. Addressing. Then it says, hallowed be thy name. Address him and then praise him. 
Our prayers should always start, start with praise and thanksgiving. Always. If our mindset is, God, I need, we're wrong. First we, address, first we speak. As we're speaking, we address him. We praise him. Then we ask that his plan, his kingdom, his desires, his purposes, what he wants. His pursuits. His pursuits come. Pray down his will. Not our will, his will. Pray for the things that he wants. If the Lord has laid something on your heart, for example, in my situation, there's a coliseum of people that are in my future. It's my job to say, Father, I didn't come up with a coliseum of people in my own mindset. In fact, when he showed that to me and told me what that was, I jumped out of the vision so fast. I was like, got to go. My hair's on fire, Lord Jesus. But I know that that's his will for that to be the harvest. So, so what do I pray? Father, I pray for that Colosseum event. Father, I thank you that you're, that you're drawing people to us. Father, I thank you that you're sending laborers out into the path. Father, I thank you that you're opening hearts of the people. God put something on your heart. Believe for it. He told us in this house. He said, you'll be a house full of disciples, students of Jesus. He said, you'll be a ministry that will send people out into the world. I am not qualified to, to equip ministers to go out into the world. But that's what God said. That's what God said. She said, yes, I am. No, God through me is. His will. His will. He said, you're going to prepare people for the second coming of Christ. For the, he said, you're going to prepare people for the calling away of my church. Okay, Lord. And for the coming of Christ. Okay, Lord. He said, you'll be a house of refreshing for those on the, ministry, on, on the mission field. In other words, when the Keatons come, we tell them. It's our heart's desire that you, when you leave our church, you leave here more fresh, you refreshed and refueled and ready for the work rather than leaving us drained. And you know what? Every time they say, man, it's such a refreshing to us to come to you. We are refreshed. We were happy to be here. By the way, thank you for your offerings. We sent them home with $5,500. Glory to God. Glory to God. Why? Because they're good ground, and they're going to take that money, and they're going to use it to reach the world for Christ. Amen. Keep going. Oh, back up for me. Thy kingdom come. Whose will be done? God's, God's will. So many people. Poor Brianna. I, I messed with her the other day. She come to hang out with me. Every time she comes to hang out with me, I mess her up. She come, she come to the house, and she said, Lord, I'm talking... She said, Pastor, I'm talking to the Lord about college. I said, what are you and the Lord talking about? She said, this, this, and this. I said, question. She said, what? I said, have you ever asked God if it was his will for you to go to four-year college? And she went, oh. So maybe that's why you're not getting the answer. <laughs> Ask, Father, your will. Your will. Not my will. I've gotten on Jackie I don't know how many times. She'll say, I'm believing for this. I said, did you come up with that and ask the Lord to bless it, or did the Lord tell it to you? And she goes, I'm going back to prayer. Come on. His will. 
that his will be done as in heaven, as in heaven. How much you know there's no sickness in heaven? Right. Father, we're praying and believing that there be no sickness on the earth. Amen. Come on. Keep, keep going. Give us day by day our daily bread. It's right here. He already gave it. Father, give me a revelation. Father, give me, a, give me something that I need to get me through this day. Father, lead me to the scripture that I need for this day and this time and this situation. Amen. Come on. What's the next one? And for Forgive us our sins. Mm -hmm. You know what that means? Father, if there's any, because we're supposed to be living sin free, right? We're supposed to be living sin free. Father, if there's any sin in my life anywhere that I have not repented for, bring it to my remembrance so that I can repent and get right with you. Amen. That's what that means. For we also forgive anyone that is indebted to us. Father, is there anybody that I'm carrying that I'm carrying a charge against? I'm carrying. I'm, I'm holding something over their head or holding something against them. Maybe it's not a hurt feeling, but maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe they, maybe they said they're going to do something and they didn't do it and you're carrying it and holding them to it or something. Who knows? But, Father, if there's anybody that I need to forgive, if there's anybody I need to drop the charge against, bring it to my mind so that I can make the choice to do it. And, Father, lead us not in temptation. In other words, Father, direct my path, direct my steps, Lead me and guide me so I don't get over somewhere where I'm going to be tempted to sin. How much do you know? You can choose to go. You can choose to drive down the wrong road and get yourself in an accident and lose your witness. But if you're asking the Lord, lead me, that I stay away from, that te from temptation. Lead me. How much do you know? God's going to say, hey, why don't you take this route today instead? Take this route today instead. And deliver us from evil. Father, when we use our God-given authority, Father, we thank you that you back that all of heaven backs us up. And that you deliver us from all manner of evil that should come against right. us. Father, we thank you that the, that the tactics of the enemy do not come against us. Amen. Keep going. And he said unto them, which of you, oh, that was the end of it. It was. And then you end your prayer right there with, with thanksgiving and praise. Yep. Thanksgiving and praise. You can throw in there, oh, by the way, Lord, I would like to have. Oh, by the way, Lord. But, but anything else you need to pray about comes after that. But first pray this. Now check this part out. Let's read here. Let's keep reading. Because I'm talking about baptism, believe it or not. And he said unto them. And he said unto them. Now, wait a minute. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? How to pray. Has the subject matter changed? Very important that you recognize this. All right. Now go. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Hey, dude, I need... Hey, dude, I need some food. How about giving me three three slices of your pizza? And it's midnight, and he's in bed, right? For a friend of mine in his journey is come, come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. 
Well, you should have prepared if you knew he was coming, right? And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. Oh, no, you, you, that was wrong. The guy, the guy on the outside is the one saying, I have nothing. I know. Oh, okay, I misunderstood you. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's why the guy on the inside is going, well, why didn't you prepare if you knew your friend was coming? Okay. Got you? Okay. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, although he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. So, so Jesus says this. He's teaching them how to pray. Teaching them how to pray. And it seems like all of a sudden he's changed directions. But, oh, my goodness, what you're about to see is going to make you just, oh, wow, that's amazing. It did to me. You did not, if you're this friend who's in the bed and somebody comes knocking to your door, uh, so maybe, maybe they're nothing more than an acquaintance, and they come knocking on your door and they say, hey, I need some bread, and you just want to sleep. You're going to get up and give them the bread so you can go back about your business. You're giving them the bread, not because you're friends, but because they have need. You don't, he, he, now this is, the, this is Jesus talking. And he says, he says this, he says, you're only giving them the bread because they have need. That's the only reason they get the bread, right? Is that not what he says? That not what he says? That's what he so. says, right? The only reason you're getting up and giving them the bread is because they need it. Not because you love them, not because you're their friend, but because they need it. Now let's keep going. All right. Verse 9. I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will, will, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he, give a, for a, will he for a fish give him a serpent? What, what, is Jesus, what was the question? What was the question? The initial question was what? How to pray. How do we pray? And now Jesus has said, you've asked how to pray, and I, and I gave you a blueprint on how to pray in your language. And then, by the, and then all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about friends coming to your door in the middle of the night, knocking and needing bread. And the only reason you get up and you give them bread is because of their need, not because of your love. Because of their need. And then he goes on and he starts talking about if they ask for a, a fish, are you going to give them a stone? And if, if they ask for this, are you going to give them this? If you ask for this? And the answer is, we all look at the, we're all looking at Jesus going, well, no, that's silly. We wouldn't do that. But remember, the subject is prayer. Keep reading. Verse 12. Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil. Being fleshy and carnal, getting up and giving bread for no other reason than that because they need it. Just, and just, just to so hush you them can and go back to along. bed. Right? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. 
How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? There is an experience beyond new birth called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Father gives every believer that asks for the Holy Spirit, he gives it to them simply for one reason, you need it. And you need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is going to help you pray. How does the Holy Spirit help you pray? I am so glad you asked. Go to 1 Corinthians. I know we're on time, but we'll, we'll, we'll just plop it right here for you to chew on until next Sunday. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14. Verse 1. Verse 1. Let's read. Follow after charity. And Follow after love. Follow which, after love. Which is what charity means. Notice, but, but notice the Father. It, notice, it, notice you didn't give the bread because of love. You gave the bread because you wanted to go back to bed. He said, Follow love. Come on. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Take that gift out. It's italicized. Okay. Follow after charity and desire spiritual. Desire the spiritual. We've got to get to a place where we desire the spiritual more than we desire the flesh. Come on. But rather that ye may prophesy. You know what prophecy is? That's speaking whereby the sudden inspiration of the Holy Ghost. What? How why do you need the Holy Ghost? When we pray, to help you pray. When we pray that the Lord give us the words that are just right for you to hear, we're praying for prophecy. That's what we're praying for. Come on. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Take that unknown out. Italicized. Oh. All right. He that speaketh in a tongue. tongue. That word tongue, if you look it up, it means a language that you did not acquire naturally in other words it's a language that you did not sit down and learn it was a lay it's a language given to you by the spirit by the spirit all right let's read on for he that speaketh in a tongue speaketh not unto men but unto god how did how did they how who are they talking to god god what did the disciples ask for how to pray, how, how to, to pray. talk to God. How to pray. Jesus told them, you're going to pray in two formats. You're going to pray in your, known, in your known language according to this format. And then, by the way, you're going to need the Holy Ghost because when you speak, by, when you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to man. You're speaking to me. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. I was studying on this, and the Lord said... Huh. I, we don't have time to get into it. We'll get into it next week. He said, I don't give the Holy Ghost because people are holy and righteous. I give them the Holy Ghost because they need it in this day and in this hour. And they reject my gift by not praying in tongues. That's what he said. If I go around the room and I ask, I'll put you on the spot because I know your answer. How often do you pray in the Holy Ghost? A lot. 
But in most churches, you go around the room and you say, how often are you praying in the Holy Ghost? They'll go, well, when hands were laid on me, I prayed once. And I prayed on and off a few times for that week, but I ain't prayed since. We'll recite the Lord's Prayer back and forth, but we won't pray in the Holy Ghost, which is what the Lord gave us to get to use for prayer. Come on. Now I'm going to end on this. Go ahead. Pastor Robbie's asking us to leave out these italicized words. These italicized words were not in the original uh, Bible. They right. were added to help us understand. Right. Now, sometimes we actually understand better when we leave the italicized words we out. Do. We now, do. this this one, this last one she did for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. That, that one's actually better if you leave it out because if you go back or to if, if you go back to the day of Pentecost in Acts two. There you go. That's where we're headed. Yep. If you go back to the day of Pentecost in Acts two, where 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 the the day of Pentecost comes and they and they and the Holy Spirit falls on them and they begin to speak in tongues very loudly to where. All the other people that, that weren't in the upper room with them are hearing them, and they all marvel. It says in, uh, it says in verse 7 of Acts 2, And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to, no, to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Well, is that an unknown tongue? Obviously not. They were hearing them. In we'll their get, own tongue. We'll get into this in more So it's not an unknown tongue. Right. We'll get into this in more detail next week because that's the ministry miracle of tongues. In that situation, all of the people in the upper room, the Holy Spirit had just been poured out. They're praying in their they're praying in their spiritual language. It would be like all of us took off in the spirit. No, 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 no. We're all just praying and just talking to the Lord. Yes. But Outside, out here in the parking lot, There's we've, got, safe, folks. we've got people that are out there that are from 20 different nations. And what they heard in this situation is they heard all 120 speaking in their individual native tongue. At the same time. At the same time. Which is impossible. Without the hand without of God. Without the Holy Spirit. That's a sign in a wonder tongue. But Jesus, when he was saying, if you'll ask for the Holy Ghost to help you in prayer, he was talking about the gift of tongues for personal use. Personal use. When does that come? When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they're still, they're st they were still speaking in an unknown tongue. Absolutely. They didn't but, know what they were but, speaking. The, but everyone was hearing it in their own tongue. Right. So, in a way, it's not unknown. So well, it, they were speaking unknown. Uh, because let me make, let me make this very clear. Pastor, say Pastor Mike and I, and Zach and Derek start speaking in tongues. He's speaking his tongue. I'm speaking my tongue. My head. He's speaking in his heavenly language. I'm speaking in my heavenly language. He's speaking in his heavenly language. He's speaking in his heavenly language. I assure you, if you've ever spent time with us in prayer, you know we all four sound very different, very different. But then we've got somebody that comes in from Germany. And speaks German, and we're all praying in our spiritual tongue, very different languages, but they hear German. Somebody else comes in from Italy, and they hear Italian. Somebody else comes in from Vietnam, uh, and they hear Vietnamese. That's what was happening here. That's what was happening here. The first, so the first time, the first time I ever heard tongues spoken to me, it was 
I, I asked, what is that you're speaking? And they told me, they told me it's tongues. And they tried to explain it to me. I'm like, well, can you talk to me some in it so that I'll, I'll recognize it next time I hear it? And they're like, it doesn't work that way. And, and I was like, oh, okay. But the person, Later. The, the person said, you know, it's by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, and I can't just speak it out. You know. They didn't understand they how didn't it They didn't completely understand it. But, they, but then the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit hit that person. And tongues was spoken to me. Right. And I could, to me, I could hear, I could hear that it was, it, was, it was tongues. But at the same time, I knew exactly what was being said. And, and at, at the same time, I knew what language it was being said in. It was a language that I had no idea on earth how to speak, and very few people do. It was a Navajo. But, but that doesn't mean the man was speaking Navajo. That's just what Michael recognized it as being. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and the reason that that spoke to Pastor Mike is because Pastor Mike has an interest in languages, and he had the knowledge that somebody just can't up and just start speaking Navajo. In fact, it's supposed to be the, the hardest language on earth to learn. So it was a sign and a wonder for Pastor Mike when he was a teenager. Um, we'll get more into this next week because we're out of time. Uh, but but there's you've got to have the fullness of God is that you experience three baptisms. You baptism you you experience the baptism of the new birth, receiving Jesus Christ and becoming born again as your Lord and Savior. The second one is water baptism, which is where you are submerged in water and you come out and it's a public declaration that you're going to make the change that occurred on the inside show up on the outside through the help of Jesus. I heard Jackie this morning, I'm going to brag on her just a little bit, somebody was asking her about her tattoo, and she said, I don't have any tattoos. And they're looking at them plainly. She's like, like you're crazy. And she said, no, that's the old me. The real me, the new me doesn't have any. She said, what was she declaring? She was declaring that part of me is dead. That part of me is dead. And see, part and that's of, what she said. Part of being submerged in the water is, is the symbolism of Jesus going into the grave. That's right. And, in, and by us being submerged in the water, we're symbolically sharing the grave with Jesus. That's right. That part of us is dying. That's right. And when we come out, we're a new creature. So those of you that are being water baptized next week, understand. You need to understand what your water baptism is for. Your water baptism, and I know we didn't do scriptures on it this week. We'll do some on it next week to show you the differences. Uh, but we've preached on it for three weeks now, priorly. Uh, you need to understand that, that when you get water baptized, nothing about your life is going to change unless you make it change. Amen. It's nothing more than an outward display declaring publicly, I am changing because Jesus has changed me on the inside, and now I'm going, and now I'm working to walk with Jesus daily and to turn my life to where I look like him. This is a thing that you, if you have not yet, if you're being water baptized and you have not yet invited co-workers and friends and family uh, that you've been witnessing to, invite them. We'll have plenty of food. Well, but what if a whole bunch of people show up? Well, God will multiply the food. They won't let them go hungry. It'll be fine. We're planning any, for that anyways. And there's several people that listen online to us regularly. If that's you and you want to be water baptized, 
come see us at Jackrabbit next Saturday. At, uh, be there by 1 o'clock and we'll water baptize you. And then you can start coming in the house regularly. Now, we're not going to put that off on you. We're not going to put that off on you. But if you say, no, I need to be water baptized, I now have an understanding, we'll water baptize you. That's fine. As long as you understand what it is, be prepared for 20 questions. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then we're going to water baptize you. And if the, if the sky opens up and the angels and the Hallelujah chorus takes off, fantastic. If not, you're still water baptized. You're still water baptized. Uh, so when you are planning to be dunked, make sure you're covered. Make sure you're covered because there will be cameras and pictures and you don't want to forever be immortalized in your glory. So make sure you cover things up. Okay? Uh, and that's for ladies and guys. Make sure. Um, all the rest of the information's in the bulletin. We'll go back into the deeper things. I, wrote, I mean, I, I wrote two and a half pages of notes on the Holy Ghost and I got two scriptures out. Uh, so come on, but here's the point of these baptisms. Stop sinning on purpose. Change, change, change. Let the Lord change you on the inside. Let the water baptism make your public declaration. And then, oh my goodness, get baptized in the Holy Ghost because that's the power that makes you able Man, when you're facing a sin, just start praying in the Holy Ghost. I'll have to tell you next week about the poker chips. Oh. I'll tell you about the poker chips and, uh, and, and how, the, how, tongues, how tongues rescued me in and amongst the poker chips. Glory to God. Well, I guess we ought to take up our tithes and offerings. That would make sense. Glory to God. Glory <sighs> to God. You're up. I'm up? Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, Lord, we just thank you for this word that's been given today. We thank you that it's going to fall on good ground and it's going to grow inside of us and, and bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Lord, we know that you have prepared this hour and this day just for us and that, that, that the words spoken were just for us today, that they, were, that they are just right and they are just the words, they are the prophecy that we needed to hear. Lord, we thank you for these words, and we know that you have given your son for us so that we could be here, and so that we could learn from you, and so that we could be saved. And Lord, we want to give unto your kingdom, because, we, because you gave so much more to us to start with. And Lord, we just love you, and we want to see your work done. And we, so we give with a joyous heart. We give with a generous heart. We give not because we are required to, but because we want to. And Lord... We just love you, and we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we give into your kingdom. We give uh, with a generous heart. We ask that you bless this offering, that it, be, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work. And, Lord, we ask that you bless us for, for, being, uh, for honoring you and for honoring this word at, by, and giving unto your kingdom, that you bless us so that we can become a bigger blessing, Lord, so that we can that we can reach out and help others as you helped us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen and amen. Glory to God. You may receive the offering. Father, we thank you that the angels go out and cause the finances and the increase to come. 
And, Father, we bind Satan and put him on the run off of our prosperity in Amen. Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Glory to God. We'll do prayer at 5 o'clock tonight for the sick and uh, for healing school. We'll do prayer and healing school. I mean, we'll do prayer at 5, and we'll do healing school at 6. Right. Glory to God. And then Wednesday night, we'll be back in here looking at Revelations again. 